0: Qu'est-ce
1: que c'est quest Quand je suis sur scène, et que je ne suis plus du tout, Angèle, quand je sens, entends, vois, Ce que sent, entend, voit mon personnage, et eh bien ça, c'est vraiment magique. <musique>
2: hello and welcome to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm the film and tv radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television i'm marcus e akko and i don't know about you but i am itching to get back into the cinema and watch a film on the
0: big screen i am producer dave yeah I'm, i can't wait to be quite honest either but i'm not too sure which one i want to go and see that's the problem yeah oh, that, that's the yeah that's the question right so it's
2: like because there are a number of films that are out at the moment um uh, quite quite interesting films uh for me one in particular that i do want to see is like out of all the other ones that are there that i keep seeing the adverts for the one in particular for me that i want to see absolutely is um and give me a second i'm just gonna pull up the, this this is what i don't want to get wrong it is called nobody and it is starring uh, bob odenkirk so those who are fan, those of you who are fans of breaking bad and better call saul would recognize bob uh, bob odenkirk from uh, from that he plays saul goodman the the lawyer in Breaking Bad, and you see him in in um, in what is it in Better Call Saul. So this one it's called Nobody, and it's literally the way I just from the from the advert or from the trailer. It's essentially a uh, it's a comedy version. In my opinion, it's a comedy version of John Wick. So it's 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 the, the tagline goes: A bystander who intervenes to help a woman being harassed by a group of men becomes the target of a vengeful a vengeful drug lord. So I had no idea about this film. This was a couple of months ago. I watched the trailer, had no idea about the film. I just saw Bob odekirk's face just pop up on the screen. I was like, I love everything that he's in. Every Everything that he's in, even if I don't like what he's in, I like him as a performer. And so I was like, I watched the trailer and it was just, I was like blown away. And I, you know, like I said, he can't do any wrong for me. Well, he can probably, and he, I'm not going to say he will, but I loved his work in the trailer and that's what I want to go see. It's called Nobody, it's in cinemas now. Even Mark Kermode tweeted, Mark, a film critic, Mark Kermode tweeted recently. He said, um, and he says he, he, in his tweet, he said something, is very succinct, succinct. He said something along the lines of, um, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I can't stress this enough, the best film in cinemas at the moment is Nobody. And it's just, so that is high praise for me. I I, w- I originally wanted to go see it before that um, review, but that's basically what I want to go see it. Thing is, it's an 18, so I can't take the kids. The kids are excited to go watch something as well. Um, but what I'm thinking I'm going to do with them is I'm going to take them to the cinema when it's a Marvel, when it's an MCU movie. I've already professed my love for MCU, so anybody who wants yes, to check out the commercials, I'm not going to go through. At, it at length. Length. <laughs> yes. if, you, if you want to check out the receipts, go and listen to previous shows where I've professed my love and devotion to the MCU. Same with my family. My entire family are indoctrinated into the Church of MCU. So I'm thinking that the very first movie going back after the pandemic and the lockdown for the kids, for me, is going to be an MCU movie, which most likely will be Black Widow, which is coming out pretty soon. So, uh, producer Dave, is there anything in particular that you might want? You've seen that you might want to go and check out in the cinema?
0: I haven't seen any uh, trailers recently. There are there's a backlog of films that are due to come out. Um, that, it, the MCU ones, obviously, plus um, the, uh, which one is it again? The uh, James Bond one, I'm not too sure. Oh if yeah, you're yeah. There. I mean, there there is one that I'm thinking of, but I'm not too sure when it's gonna come out. Um, th- I've heard that they're going to re- uh, do a reboot of the Toxic Avenger. And, okay. <laughs> um, and I remember watching the first one, which was just so funny. and. I think if they do it properly, I might I might be up for watching that one as well. So yeah, that, that, that's something to look forward to. But yeah, when it comes to what's in the cinema now, there's just so much choice. I'm just like, they're uh, in the headlights, but yeah, I'll find one and then I'll let you know which one it is. Fair enough. And if you're listening out
2: there and you, then you think, actually you have other suggestions that you want to give to us to say, this is what you are going to go see at the cinema, send us a message on Twitter, at stb underscore resonance fm or on instagram uh, at shoot the breeze show just put the hashtag it's all about the three-way or hashtag shoot the breeze show and tell us what you want to go see at the cinema now that the cinemas seem to be opening up you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e akko i'm producer dave and on the show today uh, we're going to jump into uh, the next segment which is film and tv news where we'll be talking to our good friend jenna suru Uh, lovely French uh, filmmaker, the director, writer of uh, L'Age d'Or, The Golden Age, as well as the festival director behind the paris international film festival she'll be telling us about you will be giving us some news so stay tuned and listen to the news that she's going to give us uh, when we move into the next segment after that we're going to do a spotlight but it's going to be a throwback spotlight where we go back to a previous interview that we did with john alexander and jc guest the the filmmakers behind one of one of my favorite documentaries of uh, a couple of years ago uh, and it was this is love, which is about the soul singer Rudy Ray Love. They're coming back with another documentary. We've spoke we spoke to them before in an interview. I think last year we did an interview with them where they're. In, it's called uh, Little Satchmo, which is about the uh, it, it is about the the daughter that the the hidden daughter of Louis uh, Louis Armstrong, and she's basically uh, talking about her interaction how. As she was pretty much kept hidden and the letters that were written between her and her father uh and and it's it's a gripping from the reviews we've seen so far uh, it is a gripping uh uh drama documentary that we should check out so we're going to be doing a, a throwback spotlight on that particular film we'll talk about them in the spotlight segment segment uh but before that let's jump to film and tv news <laughs> listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Aco, And I'm producer Dave. And we have with us, she's she's pretty much part of the show. So we can't even, we don't even need to keep on introducing her. She's uh, the beloved friend of the, of the show. Uh, please tell us your name. And uh, and how many times have you been on our show?
1: Hello, thank you so much for this amazing introduction, Marcus. I'm Janice Hu. And I'm not counting anymore how many times I've been on your show. I only know I'm your record guest, as you always very kindly remind us. I'm very proud of.
2: Absolutely. You are. You I are. want to far. keep the
1: record number. <laughs> you, you,
2: you've broken all the records for how many times you've appeared on the show. It literally is a, is a sense where we should even just start introducing the show as basically Shoot the Breeze uh, on Resonus FM with Marcus, David Campbell, Laura and Jenna Suru. Because you are on, but we love having you on because every time you come onto the show, not only do we hear that lovely French accent of yours, but you also have news that you always have to come and tell us about your (coughs) numerous projects that you're doing. Um, So for those people who have never listened to the show before and are listened to us (laughs) for the first time, uh, Jenna, Jenna Suru is a wonderful French filmmaker uh, she made the film Large Door, The Golden Age, uh, which has been doing gangbusters in various festivals across the world. She's also the festival director of the Paris International Film Festival. And now she's going to be working in conjunction. I'm not even. going to say this. I'm not going to say this. I'm going to let her break the news for us because every time she comes on the show, she has a new uh, um, a bit of news that she wants to tell everybody. So, Jenna Sura, I'm going to hand over to you. You are working in conjunction with a big... Film Festival this year. Tell us about
1: it. said it's true, it's been such a challenging year, but also such a, a transitional time. And so many of the directors, filmmakers, have been working on projects and developing uh, films which we could not necessarily shoot in these circumstances. So it's really exciting that now things are reopening. I got my second vaccine shot, and France has just officially announced we could be maskless in the streets, and uh, also the reopening even of discos, and so that's really exciting. Um, so the first point we're really excited about is for the Paris International Film Festival that I run. We're gonna be officially present on the Cannes Film Festival at the EU Pavilion. We are gonna be present with some of our press partners, um, but I'm, I, we still have a few surprises. But basically, we will be interviewing some of the filmmakers who have been selected at the recent edition of the Paris International Film Festival. We've had wonderful films screened there and you guys were very kind to be one of our press partners. It will be so wonderful to safely meet and meet on the market to actually celebrate cinema and tell them and ask them to tell us physically about their stories. This, we will be streaming online also for those who can't attend the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, For those who can attend, we have quite a few surprises. So that's really nice because for a festival which really promotes change and internationals, um, not just French filmmakers, but also international filmmakers, to have this opportunity to celebrate cinema at the Cannes Film Festival for this edition, which is unique in itself because it's set in July and with our press partners, it's just it's putting a big smile on our faces
2: i absolutely you mentioned some of the filmmakers they were part of the paris international film festival we uh, were more than uh, more than delighted to be part of uh, of that or that uh, organization part of that uh, festival that event we got the opportunity to see a lot of wonderful films invisible love Um, We got to interview a lot of, we got to interview most of the filmmakers whose films were being, uh, were on there. Uh, Ethan Iskow, uh, a lot of those filmmakers that had tremendous pieces of work being shown, uh, we got to chat with them. It is such a shame that we can't be there with you at Cannes. I know it's, (laughs) it is something that I've, uh, every, I've I've been to Cannes once, uh, almost a hundred million years ago. And I still have memories of being there. And I, I can't wait to go back again, not maybe this year. Fingers crossed next year for both Shoot the Breeze and maybe a project that I'm working on at the moment, which we'll talk about in, in, in the future. But I wanna to talk to you especially about some of the projects that you're working on as well. So you're gonna be at the film market at Cannes. For the uninitiated, what does that actually mean? What does the film market mean uh, in Cannes because some people would think of it, Cannes Film Festival is just basically, uh, a, a, you know, a series of films being shown. What, they did, may not have any idea of what the market actually is. So tell us, what is the market, the film market at Cannes? What is it all about?
1: The Cannes market is such an important time in the year for filmmakers, buyers, sellers, so mostly distributors, exhibitors, festival directors, sometimes servicing. Because it is a time when filmmakers can pitch their ideas, their stories, their scripts, to producers who are attending the market. For those who have a completed project, like a feature film or a short film, it's a wonderful opportunity to pitch uh, to festival directors who are attending the festival. Also, obviously, to sales agents and distributors. So for instance, in 2019 at the previous physical edition of the Cannes Film Festival, I was representing the golden age at the EU pavilion, mostly to introduce the film to festival directors. Um, And here again, I will be representing the film for sales agent Adler and Associates at the EU pavilion. And not only to present the film to festival directors but we are so happy that now the film is going to be able to be back into the festival circuit after the pandemic physically, but also to distributors so that the film can have a cinematic theatre release, as we were all hoping for now the pandemic is hopefully coming to an end. So it's really important. And for filmmakers, usually, likewise, you know, they want to um, meet their audiences, but also meet with distributors and festival directors to pitch their film either to distribute them and make them seen, or to just make them happen in the case that the project is still in development.
2: You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we have the wonderful Jenna Suru, filmmaker, Uh, Film director, writer, actress of the film uh, Large Door, The Golden Age, as well as film director or uh, film festival director of the Paris International Film Festival, which is going to be uh, situated in the Cannes Film Festival 2021 in July in the uh, film market. So you're going to be there. You mentioned that you might have and I may have misheard you. Uh, But just to to clarify, did you say you're going to have some of the films or some of the filmmakers that were in the Paris International Film Festival uh, in that market with you? If so, can you give us a a run-through of some of those filmmakers and their films that are going to
1: be there? (laughs) You want all the scoops, yes. No, you have not misheard me at all. You've understood everything. Of course, Marcus, you're absolutely right. We can't wait to meet our filmmakers in person, safely, finally, that we can. So um, some of the filmmakers who have confirmed their presence at the Cannes Film Festival this year are Lisa and Tom Barbie. They are artists and the incredible filmmakers of The Big Kitty, which this year at the recent edition of the Paris International Film Festival picked up the best experimental film. It's such a Hollywood glamour 60s film. They have really exciting news about the Cannes Film Festival and more that I will let them say but I know they're going to screen their film at the festival so this is extremely exciting and so we will be interviewing them this time in person so they can walk us through their success at the Paris International Film Festival and what is to come. Um, Also Philippe Odida, who is the director of Ruby Red starring Amelia Bennett and Basil Eisenberg I really apologize for my my bad pronouncing. uh, but this short we love so much. It also picked up an an award in LA at a festival after Paris International Film Festival. And as we are in the Pride Month, it's so important to think about this film, which is a different take um, on the way you can experience the male, the male identity and the male gaze, if I may speak so. So we're really excited to meet with Philippe and interview him so he can tell us more about his gaze and his perspective, also as a queer filmmaker. But there will be more filmmakers and also some of our script writers, um, because we also have a script competition at the festival. And I really want to highlight on the fact that no matter which genre or which language your script and your film is, you can definitely submit. We also awarded and screened Bad Candy, which is an incredible horror American film Uh, The director spent a lot of time in France uh, and found inspiration there. And the film is hitting the American theater circuit with 400 theaters later this year. Um, So you can really be part of our community and submit no matter what your focus is on. What is true is that we do highlight on change. We do highlight on positive messages because we think filmmakers have stories to make this world a better place now more than ever in our new normal and so we're really excited to have this opportunity to meet with them like again physically at the Cannes Film Festival is going to be incredible and if you don't have a chance to attend the festival physically this year we will be streaming our conversations we also have a podcast which is available on YouTube and on all major platforms so you can still connect with us because our virtual experience has proved a lot of accessibility. We are very much enjoying now.
2: You need to send me the link to the podcast and uh, the uh, streaming uh, link as well, so I can put that on the show notes for the podcast that will go out on Monday when we publish this episode. And the fact that you mentioned some of the people that are actually, that you're going to be meeting at Cannes makes me even more jealous now because I'm, I'm looking for, it's like the idea of, of the Cannes sunshine and getting drunk with Lisa and Tom for the Big Kitty <laughs> is just, it's just too much to take because watching just with about the Big Kitty, when we interviewed them and watching their movie, it is just, yes, they are two very eccentric characters I would love to meet in person. Uh, but it's, it's good to hear that you're, you've got these people who are coming out as well and they're coming to represent at the Cannes Film Festival, one of the biggest film markets in the world. Um, and it's great to hear that you're going to be there. Now, I want to kind of pivot a little bit to you as a filmmaker. Uh, and I keep asking, I want, to, I want to know more about the projects that you're working on. Do you have any, any projects other than what you're doing with Paris International Film Festival that you're working on at the moment?
1: Yes, very much. Um, There is um, a TV pilot I've been writing. I can't say too much about it because I want to double check with the producer, but it's a TV pilot which is going to film hopefully soon in Paris. Um, I've co-written it with my very good friend and also a juror at the script competition of the Paris International Film Festival, Cheryl Neve, who is someone I love personally and she's also such a talented writer. And what was wonderful, and I guess you guys agree, right, Marcus and Dave, and hopefully a lot of filmmakers, even if it can be hard to be creative in these transitional times, the silver lining is that it, it got us, it was still possible to write and do things remotely. And so we've been with Will, who's based in the UK, co-writing the TV pilot of this extremely, um, Inspiring um, story we've been working on. So originally I developed it with a producer, and so we've writing we've been re- writing it together with Cheryl, and it's such it's just such an amazing experience to write with her because we really inspire each other, and she's just an absolute bliss uh, to work with. Cheryl, and in the European premiere and West Coast premiere of *The Golden Age*, so we've shared some stories before pandemic, but we're really really excited about this this TV pilot. Also, as I've been working for Cannes Film, um, not just Cannes Film Festival, but Cannes Series, kickstarting the first editions uh, with the collaboration of MIP Markets. Uh, this year, the market has been um, pushed back and the festival to October during MIPCOM. And TV is just such an exciting media right now, also because we are looking for more content, also as an audience member. So we are meant to be filming it, as soon as it's completely safe now, that we have the vaccine and and things are really getting to a new normal somehow, hopefully, we're really hoping we can film soon. And I have more projects in development. Um, I'm also uh, in development of my second feature film, which is called For the Love of Music, so that we're really excited about. It it has some crowds though, so we will need the pandemic to be (laughs) ahead of us like for good. Um, but it's just, and for the golden age, we have some surprises we can't talk about as of now, but we do. It's wonderful to see all these projects we've been working on. I was in pre-production during the pandemic and then second wave hit. So we had to cancel the filming and push it back. But now uh, things are going to be rescheduled. So it's really exciting to just Finally, you know, get our voices out there. I think there's such great energy right now. I don't know about you guys, but you guys also, you have such a great energy and like spreading the love and just the tips, the good tips for our filmmakers. So we, we highly cherish that. And we really mean that.
2: Uh, thank you for sharing for saying that because uh, yes, we do. In fact, me personally, I, and I'm, I'm sure producer Dave agrees. We get a lot of our enthusiasm from the guests that we have on the show, like yourself uh, and and the Shakespeare Sisters, when they come on and they tell us all about the projects. It's basically for me personally. I just th- I just think you know what I need to get up and do something, no matter how I'm feeling when I listen to you guys talk. I feel I need to be doing more. Um, also, before I forget, I need you to tell Cheryl, your writing partner, that I'm I'm uh, annoyed at her that she hasn't come on the show. Um, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I haven't yet invited her personally, but you need to tell her that I'm annoyed that she's not on the show yet. So um, yeah, let her know that and uh, let her know that an invitation will be. Coming to her pretty
1: soon. I, I, I will force her on the show. I know she's been really busy with her music video but she's really excited to speak with you guys um and yes I mean it's just been it's just been a blast writing with her. She's such a talented writer and filmmaker. She also cast me in her debut feature film. She wrote and she, she means to direct hopefully soon when the pandemic is ahead of us and and it's just been it's just been an absolute blast writing with her. I feel I completely agree and understand what you say by getting great energy from your guests because it's a lot to do with community, it's all collaborative work. Um, and I also on back so this is what we do with the festival, but also as a filmmaker right now, I'm proposing my short documentary, which I filmed before the pandemic in New Delhi. Um, I was meant, as you know, uh, during the pandemic to go back there to film a feature version. And obviously right now this is cancelled because it's it's too tricky to go right now. But I do offer my speaking and the screening of this documentary, which is such an important story about resilience. And we still must think and help each other in these times, which which are still transitional. We still must support each other. It's been quite challenging for a lot of us. And so we do need this resilience and we do need to move forward together.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And we have the fabulous, ever so talented filmmaker, film festival director, and, uh, and podcaster, Jenna Suru. Uh, on the show, talking to us about her uh, film f- her film festival, Paris International Film Festival, which is currently at, or is going to be at the Cannes Film Festival uh, this year in July. Also talking to us about her numerous projects that she's got going on. Uh, just so we can Put it on a personal side. How are you doing personally? I know, obviously, this has been a very um, tumultuous time across the world. You talked about Paris now letting people out and being able to interact, et cetera. How are you doing personally with the lockdown, with the pandemic, et cetera?
1: I'm being very, very thankful and excited because, obviously, we understand how challenging these 15 months have been. So, in a way, we have been so lucky here with the Golden Age team, with the festival, because our recent edition was so amazing and successful. We had, we just understood the silver lining and learned so much from the virtual experience, which also provides a lot of accessibility. Um, The recent weekend, I was attending the Awareness Film Festival, MiniFest, um, and and they have more and we have another one coming up in August and we were discussing how incredible it is to be able to connect when you know probably we wouldn't be able to do a manifest uh, physically in usual times. So there is a silver lining with that which I very much enjoy. Um, I'm also really excited that no things are coming back physically because uh, as I mentioned, there are a few projects which were pushed back. I'm also right now, uh, very honored i'm cast in karina but uh short film which denounces domestic abuse which is called Nous deux ou de ubiarian and it's been such a fantastic team i'm so glad i'm but maybe we'll talk about it uh, after the, f- the filming is completed but it's been an absolute amazing um film to be involved in and I'm, I'm very honored i'm i'm casting it um i feel it's if we can remain positive and again it comes a lot with support we can really feel the silver lining. As far as we're concerned, we were so thankful that the Golden Age, my debut peer drama, could sell out the Genesis Cinema, and you guys attended, though, I'm not gonna mention again that Marcus didn't attend, (laughs) but Dave and Laura were (laughs)
2: Look, I know, I know, it's (laughs) shot my foot, but, in my defense, it was at the start of what became a global lockdown. So, you know, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can go into London when I'm hearing rumors about people uh, having this cough that gets to kill them. So that's kind of my reason as to why I didn't come to the premiere. Um, I, obviously, producer Dave and Laura went, and they are still alive. So that is, uh, you know, that's, again, my bad. But, you know, I did get to watch the film in the end. And I love Golden uh, Golden Age. Uh, your work is just incredible. Um, and we want to see mm-hmm. more and more of what you do. Um, and we, like I always say, there's a revolving door. It's open. Whenever you want to come in, just walk straight in. Come and do the show. You can even host a show. I don't even have to be here. It'll be you and, and David that would Campbell. Be funny. Uh, yeah. Well, it, producer Dave will be absolutely happy to have you as my replacement. <laughs> because I just want to listen to you. Yeah. Let me not make fun of him.
0: So. I, I will say this though: uh, both Laura and I very much enjoyed watching L- Large Door on the big screen. So thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you so much for attending. It was such a beautiful opening night, and I was so, so, um, so thankful for you guys' support because we, you guys, were one of the first media to interview us about the film and to have you guys with, you know, Soho radio and, and the other journalists in the room for this special line, it felt like, like we were really living something really special all, all caught up in the 60s, Saint-Tropez Joy, and it meant a lot. And this is why, because this film, as you guys know, is also about support and artistic support and it does tackle mental awareness. It's also a very light film, but it does tackle also some really important topics. We're really, really excited to support the other filmmakers with the festival and hopefully also more filmmaking work now that we're back on. We- as, the, as,
2: as the expression goes, teamwork makes the dream work. I know it's cliche, <laughs> but it's true. Absolutely. Jenna want to thank you very much for joining us today and talking to us on Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. Can't wait for the pandemic to be fully over, for the lockdown to be completely lifted, and we can come and meet you in person, give you hugs and kisses, and say, yay, viva la France, viva la Paris International Film Festival.
1: Yes, we'll be waving <laughs> flags. Yes, <and> absolutely.
2: <laughs> And that was our conversation with the wonderful Jenna Suru. Every time I, I need to find a new adjective rather than wonderful or fabulous or fantastic because, I mean, yes, she's great. She's fantastic. But those are the ones I keep using every time to, to talk about our, our friend, our dear friend, Jenna Suru. Can't wait for her to come back into the studio, can't wait for us to go to Paris and go and, you know, use this as an opportunity saying, hey, we're going off to Paris to do Shoot the Breeze in Paris. That's what we're going to call it. That series of episodes will be Shoot the Breeze in Paris. <laughs> that's exactly, you know, straight off, that's exactly what it, Copyright, patent, that, that, that uh, title. That's what we're going to do. So we'll figure out some time and Jenna Saru will take us to Paris and we can Shoot the Breeze in Paris. Anyway, before that stuff, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako.
0: I'm producer Dave.
2: And this is Spotlight. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And
0: I'm producer Dave.
2: Just completely forgetting that he was on the show. <laughs> and oh, and we are we we are joined we are joined we are joined by uh, by guests that we had uh, in the past who had who came in the previous time with a film that they had done a documentary called This Is Love about the uh, these the wonderful singer uh, Rudy Love Rudy Ray Love. They're now coming back with another project. Uh, let me just let them introduce themselves. Please tell us your names and the project that you are now working on.
3: I'm JC Guest, and this is
4: uh... John. Yeah, I'm John Alexander, <laughs> and I'm, I'm the director of Little Satchmo, which JC Guest is producing.
2: I I love, I love those people, people know watching this, obviously, because this is an audio, is a pod audio podcast. Uh, JC just nodded towards, towards John. John, John obviously hasn't had his coffee yet. So he's, uh, he's still a little, uh, it's okay. I'm, 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 I'm getting into this. I'm getting into this. Welcome back, John and JC. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, You're, you're here with, with another um, music related documentary at Little Satchmo for uh, the name Sachmo sounds familiar to some people. Please tell us what what is this project about, and who's the subject of your documentary?
4: Yeah, I mean, little Sachmo. Sachmo refers to Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong, who's you know possibly one of the most famous Americans of all time, even though the younger generations may, may or may not be familiar with him. I'm finding out, um, but he's he's a jazz icon. He's, you know, created the American sound and and many ways in sort of, you know, on the frontier of, of music and of integrating audiences. Um, big figure in America. The film you mentioned is sort of a music project. It's really this, the main subject of the film is actually Louis Armstrong's secret daughter. It was it was widely believed that Louis Armstrong never had any children. Um, it was actually rumored that he was impotent because he was notoriously a ladies man, but had no documented children. And several years ago, a woman comes out of the woodwork and says, actually, uh, I'm Louis Armstrong's daughter, and he fathered me his whole life and supported me and loved me. And we had to keep the entire thing completely secret because it was a, uh, quote unquote, illegitimate child. She's, in fact, quite legitimate. It's just a phrase. But um, this is essentially the unveiling of another side of the American icon that the audiences never knew existed.
2: Uh, and and the, the daughter is uh, sharon preston falter did i get that correct
4: that's correct yeah excellent
2: excellent uh, is she is she in any way and because she released a memoir a few years ago uh, about this but is is she tied to music in any way shape or form is she a musician herself or is she is she completely removed from the industry
4: you know she happens to work in radio but in radio sales and uh you know broadcast marketing radio marketing but um you know the documentary really people often ask well what's is her life interesting was it does it have to do with music does she work in jazz and the answer is is essentially no but uh even if even if it were yes i think that the film would barely even touch on that i mean what's 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 of interest to the film is purely just the fact that about this father-daughter relationship and the fact that they had this relationship, which was close, but completely secret. And that's truly really what the film kind of narrowly dives into. So she, she does work in radio. She has an amazing ear. She, I think I would argue she has her father's ear. She definitely has her father's face. Um, when, once you see her, there's no, you know, uh, there's an uncanny resemblance. But, um, but no, you know, she does, she's not a musician herself. She, she's a jazz enthusiast. But, you know, a big part of her life, or at least the way we depict it in the film, which I do believe is accurate, is the fact that she had to harbor this secret. And so did her father. I mean, they had, they had to carry this burden and it was really the two of them that carried it together.
2: Uh, my, my, throughout my life, anyone my, every, who knows me knows that I pretty much associate uh, major learning points, major growing points with film. Uh, my first encounter with Louis Armstrong uh, Sachmo was um, in Hello Dolly, the Barbara Streisand film. Hello Dolly. That's where I first, because I, I used to watch that as a child on repeat. I first encountered him with that in 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 that film, and then I've sort of followed him afterwards you know, with other songs that would come in. And I, I had a dictaphone that I'd tape some of the songs on the radio and I just listened to What A Wonderful World, those people who, who are trying to associate the name with the with the singer. Uh, what A Wonderful World is one of his worldwide smash hits. Um, so it's it's a sense where, and in fact, even for me, thinking back on Hello Dolly, the first image I get is him singing Hello Dolly. Um, so with such a huge uh, character as, as Satchmo was himself, and then for this secret to come out uh, or this unveiling to occur decades after his death, um, from your perspective, and obviously you've had encounters with, uh, with his daughter, how, has, how was that revelation uh, received by the general public uh, after she had released her memoirs indicating that she was his you, you said illegitimate is not we're not going to use the word illegitimate but you know his secret child how did the world receive that news
4: yeah it, it's, a, it's a great question and it's a question I think we're still kind of figuring out the answer to We'll see how audiences respond to this film you know because the film is technically still in post-production you know we're just kind of beginning to come come out into the into public with it I mean in terms of we just released a trailer. You know, by Deadline and Rolling Stone, just and that, that's given a little bit of, of indication of audiences reactions to it. I, I was quite nervous about it as the whole team was, I mean, in terms of Louis Armstrong is a beloved icon. Everybody sort of claims him as that, you know, we all feel like he's our uncle or something. We all feel like we're his children. You know, you could argue. And now somebody comes out and says, oh, actually there's this whole other side to him. It could be, it could almost be slanted as, as smearing against him saying, oh, he wasn't a perfect figure. You know, we've kind of immortalized him. Um, I'm optimistic, you know, as, as we've gone through this process that that it's actually not smearing him so much as giving him a more three-dimensional existence. We've, in a way, in a way, his his legacy has sort of been reduced to a caricature. I mean, you say character, and I agree, but he, he's al- he's almost been reduced to a caricature. People think of him as just black guy with a trumpet from New Orleans, and that's essentially what they know about him. You know, kind of always smiling, um, happy-go-lucky. You know, and and of course that was his public persona on on television because he was already pushing it in terms of race boundaries. But I mean, by integrating audiences, but um, you know, there was a lot more to the man. I mean, he was, he was a real, he was actually a real person. He had desires, he had secrets. He wasn't just, he wasn't always happy. Um, And I'm hoping that it's actually rather than saying, Oh, you know, Louis Armstrong was a drop in daddy who had a, you know, a, a, child that he fathered but was sort of intermittent in his presence with, which you you could say was sort of a negative portrayal of him. I I actually believe it's a compassionate portrayal to him because it's giving a whole new level of depth to somebody that we've sort of glossed over and assumed was just what was on face value.
2: You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E Acho. And I'm producer Dave. We're speaking with John Alexander and JC Guest, uh, the producers and filmmakers behind
0: Little Satchmo. Okay, Sharon is saying that Louis Armstrong is her father. So I know that a lot of people are going to ask the first question is, what proof has she that he was her father?
3: Well, one way to perhaps talk, fatherhood is a funny thing. And fatherhood inherently has a lot of belief and trust you know associated with it um, and one thing that is very much documented and true is that Louis Armstrong believed he was Sharon's father and okay. this is something that we have well documented in letters and, audio um real-to-reel recordings that he would make and send, you know, send back. Um, there's many correspondences between Louis Armstrong and his manager, Joe Glazier, um, regarding Sharon and um, setting up financial arrangements so that you know, he set up a college fund for her. He made sure that she and her mother had a house in Westchester County, outside of New York to live in, you know, he, he made sure that they were, you know, had financial security. Are very well documented. You know, when you get down to more modern ways of say, proving that belief in fatherhood, you know, say DNA testing, you know. No, that's not a avenue that has been pursued and really no one's interested in pursuing it because, you know, certainly that, you know, you know, belief is there and, you know, and the relationship was there and that's, you know, and that, you know, combined with, you know, like as John said earlier, the strong family resemblance, you know, really seems like, you know, what more proof do you need? <laughs> you
4: know. It's true. And I mean, just to jump in too, I mean, people, it's, it's obviously, as you mentioned, it's one of the first questions everybody asks is, well, is there a DNA test? Show me the proof. I mean, do Lewis Armstrong's secret daughter, or maybe, maybe there's other secret daughters. Maybe she's not the only one. People have pointed that out too. Um, but, I think that those are questions that will be asked only before seeing the film. This is my this is my ego speaking, maybe, but like I think it's the type of question once you sort of see the accretion of evidence these letters that JC is mentioning, the the recordings that Louis Armstrong would would send to his daughter, say, "Oh, how's my dear little baby?" and "Oh, I'm so excited; she's on her way." And I mean, it was apparent that he believed this was his daughter. And, I mean, and it was his daughter, yeah. Uh, because you know, Sharon's mother believed it, Sharon believed it, and he believed it. Well, I mean, what else do we, what else do we need? But after the film, after you see the film, I don't think anyone's going to be asking that question.
0: I mean, that, and because, because as far sure. as son, if the father is acknowledging the child, then that is the father. If you sort of I mean that's the most important thing, as long as he's acknowledging the child. So if you're saying that she's got the evidence that he's acknowledged her, that's great
3: yeah 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 well and that's one of the things you know going back to what john was talking about about this film you know really being a you know very empathetic portrayal of louis armstrong is that you know he did not have to do this he could have easily run away from this relationship as soon as she he heard that you know that Uh, Sharon's mother was pregnant and he didn't, you know, this was something that he really always wanted to be a father and relatively late in life, he learned that he had an opportunity, you know, to do so and he really embraced that relationship and made sure that, you know, in a yes, you know, somewhat imperfect way, but in a real way, you know, he had a relationship, you know, with his daughter and he was a father and Sharon certainly believes that he thought he was a very good father, you know, and certainly compared to you know, all of the father figures that he had in his past, you know, which were, you know, very, you know, flawed father figures in their own ways. Um, so yes, exactly. Fatherhood is a lot about belief and acknowledgement, and in this case, it was all very much mutual.
2: And in the trailer for, for your film and in the Rolling Stone article, uh, Sharon says publicly fawning over child fathered with his mistress wasn't exactly an option for Louis Armstrong. He always wanted to be a father, but we had to keep it all a secret. So uh, obviously because of his fame and because uh, again, setting, if you think of time, you know, time zones or not time zones, time zones is the wrong word. Um, you know, errors. Uh, time, yeah, yeah, thank you. Errors, right. right? So it's one of those situations as well as the fact that his publicity, his celebrity as a black man in America was a time where anything that could tarnish his reputation, the slightest thing that could tarnish his reputation essentially would tarnish his reputation and shut down his career. So a scandal such as uh, a child out of wedlock, while these days you have American presidents who can who can, who can right. have that but, and, and, and it's okay. Back then, it was not something that could be seen as forgivable in that regards. Now, the question I want to ask, that, and I, I don't know if it's addressed in your film, uh, Louis Armstrong died in 1971. Uh, we're now 2021. Uh, the, the, uh, she wrote her memoirs in 2012. Why the delay from his death to her reveal? Why, why was there a delay? Is this addressed in the film?
4: It, it is addressed in the film in kind of an ob- obtuse way. Um, it's really because th- there's no specific reason. It's kind of an emotional reason. Um, it's really just because of the hardship of bearing this. I mean, it was, she had to go endure so many years of of holding this secret. And, you know, it, it's a really big part of her life. I mean, back to your first question, you know, if, if you live an existence like this, being the, the child of, let's just say the most famous American of all time, and you can't tell anybody about it, you're essentially denying your 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 own existence and being forced to deny your own existence. And it leaves, I think, I be, you know, in my research and d- close conversations with Sharon about this, I believe that that leaves a, a, a lasting scar that takes years or decades to recover from, and she's still in a sense recovering from it. I don't I don't want to speak too much for Sharon, but we've had conversations where, you know, this film is sort of another step of her therapy of dealing with this. You know, it's this is the story of her life. Um, you know, she, she lived this life. Even even if we let's say a DNA DNA test came back, not that not that anyone's going to do this and not that it would come back with this result, but let's say let's say she was not related to to Louis Armstrong. She is, but she still lived this life, you know, and it still takes years to recover from that. So I think that's what the delay is about. It's just the fact that this is really, really tough. As loving as the relationship was, she wasn't ready to confront it. And she she never really had the opportunity to confront it. I mean, other other film, um, I I believe some other, you know, film companies had been in discussion with Sharon. It wasn't quite the right fit. They weren't going to do it quite. You know, we've been trying to work with Sharon. It's in close participation with her. We're not really just treating her as a, as a subject. I mean, she's really a collaborator in this project and and has a real voice in how we're telling her story. It's really important to me since that, I mean, so much of her existence was kind of glossed over previously that, that she really has a say in how this is, is coming out and it's authentic to her perspective so i think that's what the delay was about in terms of writing the book it, it you know first of all it takes a long time to write a book but um just i think it's an emotional uh, an emotional issue
2: you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Aco,
0: and i'm
4: stu
2: today and we have with us the filmmakers behind the film *Little Satchmo*: J.C. Guest and John Alexander. The last time they were on here, they had another beautiful. And I watched; I got to watch that film. You haven't sent me the screener for this one. Uh, you, um, you sent me the screener for *This Is Love* before we went in and before we came to interview you. And my heart was was broken and mended and and lifted by uh, by the story of Rudy Ray Love. Uh, I'm 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 assuming based on your your work, your previous work that uh, little Satchmo is going to do exactly the same thing. But it seems there's a, there's, there's, it tends to be a trend in your projects and both the projects that both of you work, where you find these gems, uh, you know, that sort of have a, they're, they're, the back, they're, they're backstage behind global success. Same thing with Rudy Ray Love. A lot of the work that he had done, he had, you know, a, a lot of, he, he influenced a lot of big name celebrities like Eric Clapton and so on with his music they all you know rave about him but he was always in the background or nobody, nobody ever really not nobody ever really but globally people yeah. didn't remember him same thing with uh, with Sharon being the the hidden daughter of of Louis Armstrong uh, is this a trend uh, in your uh, film career that oh. you're just literally going to be unearthing these gems and and using them as your documentary fodder
4: I don't know. As long as as long as J.C. keeps letting me do these kind of stories, I think it will be a trend. Uh, I, honestly, it's one of these things. It's like probably like psychoanalysis or something. I think we're just sort of doing this and not real, sort of looking in the rearview mirror and, and in retrospect realizing what we've done. It was not conscious to to make a pattern in our work. I never. I, I wish I could say it was like a dream of mine to unearth unsung heroes or behind the scenes people, and that that was always my dream it it really wasn't it's always just been to make films and we happened to stumble into meeting rudy love when we were on a a previous film and that you know and that was captivating and gripping and we we went with it and then because of that film sharon was introduced to us i mean it's sort of sort of an underwhelming answer to your question i wish i had something more interesting to say but really one project just kind of led to another and i mean once we Kind of stumbled into the material. We just couldn't
2: resist it. It's it's not a problem having a niche, right? If you have a niche in the market and you're using that, that's fine. You'll when you come into the third film and it's about the guy who inspired the you know Elvis Elvis Presley and his songs or or, or something else like that, like Cliff Cousins. I don't know. I was going to say Cliff Richard, but uh, I don't know if Cliff Richard is as big in America as he is in the UK. But when you have uh, Cliff Richard's inspiration and you're doing the 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 documentary for it well i'll just avoid that question and just introduce you as the niche of uncovered gems that's basically what
4: yeah i I should just lean into it and and yeah absolutely At this point, it's a pattern. So,
3: but uh, I, I promise you that uh, you know if we come back on on the show with you know what you know our next film you know I can't talk about it right now but I promise you that it'll be very very different.
2: Oh, fair <laughs> enough. This is where you're going into full going into fiction and it's action packed. It's, it's Ex- expendables 4. That's basically what you're coming up with. I I, I know possibly, it's Ex-
3: possibly. Expendables I have to 4. Say, but yes. <laughs> that,
0: that's cool.
2: We'll, we'll we'll break the story here. I, I believe producer Dave has a question.
0: You said earlier that the film is currently in post-production. So I'm just wondering when was the when did you start filming?
4: Yeah, right. So we we um it was all in 2020. It was actually really the summer and fall of 2020. It was actually a relatively fast turnaround, especially. Considering the pandemic, um, well, and especially in comparison to my previous work, which took eons, but we we did the principal photography in fall of 2020. It was it was a you know socially distanced, masked shoot where we quarantined before, and that presented all sorts of new challenges. But we of course safety came first. Um, filmed in 20 fall of 2020 we've been editing ever since and by the way i will send you guys a screener as soon as, <laughs> as soon as the cut is locked uh, we will be announcing a world premiere very soon actually we'll be coming out in europe um, this summer at, at festivals that are may, may or may not be oscar qualifying so i'll just you know throw that out there but we will we'll absolutely send you a screener hope to maybe you know have another chat about it after after that point but um, it was filmed the, the shoot was actually quite I mean because of both because of the pandemic and because of sort of my insistence on it all coming from Sharon's perspective we did a short shoot with Sharon It was, only, it was actually only four days of you know so-called principal photography with Sharon for pretty intense days um, which we planned for I mean it was not interview based it's it's really lifted from or adapted from her memoir so in a way we had a lot of in a way it was more of a narrative feature film style shoot rather than a typical documentary. We, I was not having her sit down and just kind of expound on the story of her life. It was highly planned. Um, so that was that shoot. And then the rest of the shoots are either essentially sort of B-roll second unit type shoots that, that the reason for that was that they were supposed to be point of view. Um, and I, I believe it's effective. I mean, it's all sort of seen from this child's from little Satchmo's point of view. So that didn't involve any actors, it didn't involve Sharon. Um, what, what did involve Sharon extensively, and we probably spent more time on this than anything else, was the fact that Sharon narrates the whole film. So it's all from her perspective. She's the only voice you hear other than occasionally, you know, or more than occasionally, but periodically her father's, you know, musings to her and, and a bit of his music um, but it's all from her perspective. So we did, we did voiceover sessions remotely over FaceTime and zoom while Sharon was in her home studio and we were in ours. And that was really the bulk of, of the filming and, uh, you know, or the recording, um, which happened, um, in the summer of 2020. So it was, it was a relatively fast turnaround. We're just locking a cut now, um, and doing kind of final touches with some, some original music and, and visual effects and kind of putting putting the finishing touches on it before we start sharing screeners with people like like you guys.
2: Did you, uh, oh, about the, the screeners, I, I I used to be shy about asking for screeners, but I've been doing this for three years. I'm shameless with it now. So <laughs> just for anyone else listening out there, filmmakers, if you've got a film that you wanna come and shoot the breeze and talk about, send me a screener uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not going to be shameless about it at all just go for it you, you mentioned that uh, some of uh, Louis Armstrong's music is featured in film did you have any trouble licensing the music to put in the film
3: yeah so that is something that you know the of course you know what we are using is you know we are very careful about um, and you know we are extensively working you know with a clearance attorney and working with licensing and, you know, fair use, you know, fair use has been implemented quite successfully over the past, you know, 10, 15 years, you know, in documentaries, you know, so certainly working, you know, It is somewhat of a fine line that we're walking, but yeah, so far we're successful and we also have some uh, original music that we're actually quite excited about as well that's going to be used in the film.
4: I mean, you mentioned earlier, Hello Dolly and What a a Wonderful World, two of Louis Armstrong's most famous recordings. For example, we might use a little clip of Hello Dolly in the film. But the, the reason we use it is not just to enjoy the, the sound of the song. It it always, per fair use, it always connects back to Sharon. Sharon says, I heard these recordings on the radio and it made me miss my father or, you know, something to the effect of that. And then you hear only enough of the song in order to. To make a point, we're not just gratuitously using this music, um, so that's key. And then, in terms of the original music, we are just this past weekend. It was yesterday. It was mixed. Um, Emmy, Grammy nominee winner Eddie Corvin, d- dear friend of ours, is is working on that. I'm so happy to have his expertise and he's a Louis Armstrong expert to begin with. So the sound is sort of echoing a lot of of Louis Armstrong kind of idioms, but he brought in Wycliffe Gordon, renowned jazz horn player to the music. I'm I'm very excited about the music and for people to hear it.
2: That is absolutely fantastic. Um, You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Acho.
4: I'm producer Dave. And we
2: have the filmmakers behind Little Satchmo. Just want to thank uh, JC Guest and John Alexander. Thank you very much for coming back on the show. Uh, I'll be waiting for the screener so I can check it out but don't rush make sure you make it as good as as you did uh, uh this is love and when you get the chance say hi to, to Rudy Ray for us because uh, I've been following him on Instagram I love the guy guy's music is fantastic uh say I don't know he probably doesn't know about us but just say hi from Marcus and John uh, and John and producer Dave from Shoot the Breeze
4: <laughs> I'll say hi to him too <laughs> yes,
2: exactly exactly
4: yeah we appreciate that and I, I want to also give a shout out to the the people who connected us I mean the Shakespeare sisters great renowned up and coming filmmakers in in London um, they're the ones who who first saw our film this is love and, and hosted us when we came to London per Elliot Grove at rain dance and they introduced us to you guys so uh, check check out if, for those listening check out the Shakespeare sisters work as well
2: Hey, we, every opportunity that we get, we we give the shout out to the six best sisters. Um, but yeah, we they we have nothing but love from this show. And that was our conversation with John Alexander and JC uh, guest talking about Little Satchmo. And that movie is actually going to be released uh, on the 29th of June, uh, which is next week. Uh, so, if when you get the opportunity, go and check it out. We're going to put uh, links in the show notes on the podcast that comes out on Monday, and we'll try and push as much information as we can about this film, because uh, having watched their first film, I've watched the previous film, Rudy Love uh, about Rudy Love, I really love these guys as, a fil- as filmmakers,
0: as documentary filmmakers, and I would definitely want to see them go far. 29th of June is the week after next and yes the documentary is really good I, I have seen it Little Satchmo it's very very good definitely worth watching for all those people out there who love Louis Armstrong and I, I my scheduling is for next week to watch
2: it which is why I, I, I'm just saying I'm gonna sit down get clear everything off my desk watch Loki with the family first and then I'll sit down and watch this because the Friday is Loki day and I want to thank everybody for for listening in, for downloading the podcast, for staying uh, with us. Even though we ramble incoherently about random stuff that you may not necessarily care about, you can still listen to the show, which makes us feel thankful. We also want to thank Resonance FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still producer Dave. Saying
0: thank you all very much. Speak to you all next week. Goodbye. Bye.